on this edition of Emerging Daily. All have missed the mark, so not to obtain a prize. They've missed their destiny, and they've come short, or they've lagged behind. They've not continued on in the race in order to reach the goal. They failed to become a partaker in the glory of God. That is the prize. That is our destiny. We've all fallen short of manifesting His perfect character in our life. We've fallen short of that inner glory that's in us that we can't see many times because we're even blinded to it. We've fallen short of allowing that to be outwardly manifested. We were made to have His nature, His character, everything about Him we were supposed to be like. So that is the glory. The glory is, could be summed up in saying the nature, the character, the likeness of God is glory. The similitude of God is glory. So we have stopped short. We have missed the mark in such a way that we've fallen short of our destiny because our destiny was to look like God, was to be God on this earth. Anything that's promised to Jesus is promised to us because we are Christ in the earth. I'm to look to Him because as He is, so am I. So as I look to Him, whatever you behold, you become. Whatever you keep your eyes focused on, whatever you meditate on, wherever you're looking, that's what you're being. So I'm to look to Him. Every person that you encounter in your life has already been given salvation. Everybody that you encounter, they, salvation is there. It's already been given to them. They just don't know it. The kingdom of God doesn't come with observation. Neither shall they say, Lo here or lo there, for behold, the kingdom of God is within you. This is Emerging Daily with Charlton Scott Fisher. Scott is the founder and leader of Emerge Nashville, a spiritual refuge that's an evolving ministry expressing radical grace every day. Emerge is supported 100% by listeners like you. To make your tax-deductible gift and to learn more about Emerge, visit EmergeNashville.org or email EmergeNashville at gmail.com. We hope this program will help you to emerge as pure gold and to steer you to put love into action. Hey there, I want to welcome you to this edition of Emerging Daily. I am Scott Fisher, and today we're going to be uh, hearing a message that I gave a few years ago at a church that I pastored called the Ark of Lebanon. And in today's edition, this teaching is dealing with understanding of Christ in us, Christ in the church. This is a continuation of uh, a message that we heard a couple of episodes ago. It's a continuation of that, and I believe that it will bless you. As you realize and begin to understand what it means for Christ to be in us, that anointing, the, the Spirit of God, the presence of God in our lives, and how that, how that affects us. It also deals with an understanding, a, a correct understanding of what sin is. You know, the church world has beat people over the head talking about sin. And, well, you're just a sinner. In this episode, we begin to understand really what sin is. We get a, a true definition of what sin is, what the glory of God is, because you know it says in Romans that all have sinned and come short of the glory. Well, what does that mean? What does that really mean? And the church world has really just, like I said, beat us over the head with that and made us feel like worms, like we're no good. And 
this really gives a more uh, clear understanding of what that means and how we can overcome in this life and be what God wants us to be and fulfill our destiny. I hope you are blessed by this message, and we'll get into it here in just a second. Acts chapter 17, verse 28. This is Paul. He is at Mars Hill in Athens. And uh, he's commenting, he just got through commenting on the fact that they had a, an altar to the unknown God, and he's declaring that God to them. And he says in verse 28, says, For in him we live and move and have our being, as certain also of your own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. For as much then, or since we are, or because we are his offspring, the offspring of God, we ought not think that the Godhead is likened to silver or to gold or silver or stone graven by art and man's device. But he says that we are the offspring of God. And we commented on that a little bit last week, but we want to use that as a springboard tonight to go into the teaching tonight. In uh, John chapter 1, you don't have to turn there, but he talks about the light that lights every man in verse 9, and then he says in verse 12 that as many as received him, to them gave he the power or the right or the authority to become the sons of God, even to those that believe on his name. Let's go ahead and turn in Romans chapter 3. With all that in mind, we are the offspring of God, and he was not talking to a bunch of Christians right there. He was talking to people who were worshiping idols. And he said, we, not just me, not just the fact that I'm a Christian, I'm the offspring of God. You know, a lot of times we think that only the Christians are the children of God. That's not, that's not scriptural. According to him, he says, we all are the children or the offspring of God. So, Romans chapter 3, familiar scripture probably to you, verse 23, it says, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Now, he is here speaking of the fact that there's no difference between the Jews and the Gentiles. And so he goes on from verse 9 through verse 19 explaining that uh, there is no difference. He said there's none that understands in verse 11. There's none that seeks after God. He says they've all gone out the way and they're together become unprofitable. Therefore there's none that does good, verse 12. No, not one. And so he says in verse 23 that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Well, that's such a familiar scripture, but what exactly does it mean? The word sin, let's dissect this a little. The word sin, you'll have to know this, but it'll help you to understand, comes from a Greek word, homartano. It says to miss the mark. And you've probably heard people say that. Well, sin means to miss the mark. But they don't go on to explain that it's not only to miss the mark, but it's to miss the mark in such a way that you don't get the prize. That's collectively what it means. But it's to miss the mark so that you don't obtain the prize or not to have a share in the prize. It also means to be without a share in. Well, what is this thing that we're not having a share in? Or what's this prize that we're not obtaining? Well, he goes on. For all have missed the mark in such a way that they don't obtain the prize, and they've come short. Now, that word there, come short, comes from a word hysterio, or hysterio. It means to be deficient or inferior. Thayer says it's to be left behind in a race, and so fail to reach the goal, or fail to become a partaker in the prize. Also, keep in mind this, the word that means sin comes from a word, meros, which means a part due or assigned to one, a lot or destiny. Okay? So, sin, the word for sin, comes from a word that means destiny. It's the negative of that. In other words, to not, to not enter into that destiny. So he's saying, all have missed 
the mark so as not to obtain a prize. They've missed their destiny. And they've come short or they've lagged behind. They've not continued on in the race in order to reach the goal. They failed to become a partaker in the glory of God. That is the prize. That is our destiny, the glory of God. All have missed it. We've all missed the glory of God. We've all fallen short of that glory. In Hebrews chapter 4, it's talking about the promise. And it says, lest we come short of it. Let me just read it to you. Hebrews 4, 1. It says, let us therefore fear, lest they promise, being less left us of entering in, into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. That word come short of it is the very same word that's used here when it says come short of the glory of God. So we don't want to come short. We don't want to fall short. We don't want to stop just short of the prize. But let's find out what glory is. It's not just some mystical cloud. It's more, a whole lot more than that. It comes from the word doxa. It means this, an opinion or judgment or view. And in the New Testament, it's a good opinion concerning one. It's the manifest, manifested perfection of God's character. It also means recognition. It's not merely the outward glorious appearance, but the inner glory outwardly manifested. So we've all fallen short of God's good opinion of us. We've all fallen short of manifesting His perfect character in our lives. We've fallen short of that inner glory that's in us that we can't see many times because we're even blinded to it. We've fallen short of allowing that to be outwardly manifested. You know, last week we talked about that there is a seed of God in everybody. Because if we're His offspring, then that means there must be something there that is of God in everybody. There has to be something there. And just as a seed is dead, it's not been made alive yet. But it's when the quickening of the Spirit, it's when the Spirit of God moves on that seed that it, life comes forth. If we are falling short, if we've come short, if we've not obtained the prize of that glory, of the good opinion of God, the manifested perfection of His character in our lives, what is it that He made us to be? How did He make us? What did He make us to look like? How are we supposed to be? In other words, God had a blueprint in mind when He created man. But everybody fell short of that blueprint. It's like if you had a manufacturing plant somewhere and you had, you always make the model that all the rest are supposed to be like. Though everything else is supposed to, to mount up to what this looks like. This is perfect right here. This is the, the thing that all of it is supposed to be. But yet, a lot of times, there's defects. You know, you might go to a clothing store and you'll see that these are seconds. There may be a flaw in the material somewhere. Well, let's find out how man was created. And then we'll understand how we're supposed to be. If you look in Genesis, the book of beginnings, chapter 1, verse 26, it says, And God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let him have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over everything that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. And then if you look in uh, chapter 5, verse 1, it says, This is the book of the generations of Adam. In the day that God created man, in the likeness of God made he him. So we were made in the likeness of God. We were made to look like God. We were made to have his nature, his character, everything about him we were supposed to be like. So that is the glory. The glory is, could be summed up in saying the nature, the character, the likeness of God is glory. The similitude of God is glory. So we have stopped short. We have missed the mark in such a way 
that we've fallen short of our destiny because our destiny was to look like God, was to be God on this earth, really, when you sum it all up. We were put here to be the God of this planet, but we've stopped short of that. See, sin is not something that you, something that you can make a list of and say this is sin. The law tried to do that, and man couldn't live up to that law because all the law did was produce death. You can't say, well, this is a sin or that is a sin. Sin is this. Anything will stop, that will stop you from fulfilling your destiny. Anything that will stop you from being like God. That is sin. Anything. I mean, if it's working over on this job when you're supposed to be over here doing this job, that's a sin because you're not fulfilling your destiny. If God's put a vision and a dream in your heart and you're not doing it, you're not fulfilling that dream, you're in sin because He has made a destiny. He has a plan for your life. He has an opinion of you, a blueprint of your life, and if you're not following in that direction, you're in sin. And so all of us have done that. All of us have entered into that. John chapter 10, you don't have to turn there. John chapter 10, verse 34, the, the people are getting on to him, on to Jesus, because he has said some things that they would consider blasphemous. And in uh, verse uh, 31 of chapter 10 of John, it's, they, it says the Jews took up stones again to stone him. In verse 32, Jesus answered and said, Many good works have I shown you from my Father. For which of those did you stone me? And the Jews answered him, saying, For good work we stone thee not, but for blasphemy, because thou, being a man, make thyself God. Now listen to verse 34. Jesus answered and said, Is it not written in your law? In, your law? in other words, isn't it even written in your own law that I said you're gods? If he called them gods unto whom the word of God came and the scripture cannot be broken, why say you of him whom the Father has sanctified and sent into the world, thou blasphemest, because I said, I'm the Son of God. Now, where he gets that from is Psalms chapter 80, the 82nd Psalm, and it's only eight verse Psalm. And I'll read it to you. You can turn there. But in Psalm chapter 82, this is where Jesus is quoting from. It says, God stands in the congregation of the mighty. He judges among the gods. And who's he talking about when he says he judges among the gods? He's talking about us. How long will you judge unjustly? Is he talking about God? No, he's talking about us the gods that God is standing in the midst of, and he's saying that we have judged unjustly. How long will you judge unjustly and accept the persons of the wicked? Selah. Defend the poor and the fatherless. Do justice to the afflicted and needy. Deliver the poor and the needy. Rid them out of the hand of the wicked. They know not, neither will they understand. They walk on in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are out of course. I have said, your gods, and all of you children of the Most High. All of you. But you shall die like men and fall like one of the princes. Now this is God speaking. This is God talking. And in verse 8 he says, Arise, O God, and judge the earth, for thou shalt inherit all nations. So he's saying to the church, Arise, judge the earth, for thou shalt inherit all nations. If you remember in Psalms chapter 2, it says, that, Ask of me and I will give the nations for an inheritance. Anything that's promised to Jesus is promised to us because we are Christ in the earth. Jesus was a type. Jesus was a shadow. Jesus was given as a sign. If you'll remember when Isaiah prophesied, and he says that he shall be a sign unto you. And in other places, he's referred to as a sign. Well, a sign points to something else. The sign isn't to fulfill, fulfillment in itself. So Jesus was a sign pointing to the church, pointing to how we should be. But we've all fallen short of that. We've all not reached and obtained that. But P Paul said, I think it was uh, yeah, in Philippians, he said, I press forward for the mark of the prize of the high call of God in Christ Jesus. And he says, I'm not saying this as though I have obtained, 
But he does say this, I have obtained the fact that I am no longer looking behind me, but I am pressing on, forgetting those things that are behind. Forgetting those things that are behind. So what is it that we're to look to? Hebrews chapter 12 says that we should look to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Well, I've always thought, well, I'm to look to Him because, you know, He begins my faith and He finishes my faith. But it's not just that I'm looking to Him because He does something with my faith. I'm to look to Him because as He is, so am I. I hope you're being blessed by this message today. Um, I just wanted to pause for a minute and tell you that we really are glad that you're listening to Emerging Daily. And we'll get back to the message here in just a second. I just wanted to encourage you to please check out our website, EmergeNashville.org. Thank you. If you like good old country cooking, then you're going to love Bale's Little Country Kitchen, located at 210 West High Street in Lebanon, right in the heart of Middle Tennessee. Bale's Little Country Kitchen is family-owned and operated, and is Lebanon's new favorite place for great country cooking. They have a terrific breakfast and lunch menu, as well as awesome specials throughout the week, like the Friday night all-you-care-to-eat catfish dinner and fixings, and their Saturday morning breakfast bar. And now, they've teamed up with We Deliver to bring their super southern food right to your home or office. You can find out more by going to their website, bellslebanon.com, where you can see their menu and specials, and even order delivery. That's bellslebanon.com. Located at 210 West High Street in Lebanon. You're going to love Bell's Little Country Kitchen, Lebanon's new favorite place for great country cooking. So what is it that we're to look to? Hebrews chapter 12 says that we should look to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Well, I've always thought, well, I'm to look to Him because, you know, He begins my faith and He finishes my faith. But it's not just that I'm looking to Him because He does something with my faith. I'm to look to Him because as He is, so am I. So as I look to Him, whatever you behold, you become. Whatever you keep your eyes focused on, whatever you meditate on, wherever you're looking, that's what you'll be. So I'm to look to Him, the author and the finisher of my faith. In other words, how did He begin? Jesus began as a promise. Jesus began as a, as a seed in the womb of Mary, put there by the Holy Spirit. He was brought forth and He grew. It says in Luke that He grew in, in favor with God and with man. And it says that He waxed strong in the Spirit. So Jesus had to grow. But Jesus became, Jesus did grow up. Jesus became a man. Jesus was persecuted. Jesus was put to the test. But he came forth as gold. Romans 5, verse 17. And a lot of what I'm saying tonight is elementary. A lot of it is foundational, and that is exactly what, what I'm doing, is laying even more foundation for beginning to understand that Christ is in us. For it says in verse 17, For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as by the offense of one, judgment came upon all men to condemnation. Even so, by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. 
For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. That as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. Every person that you encounter in your life has already been given salvation. Everybody that you encounter, they, salvation is theirs. It's already been given to them. They just don't know it. The word receive there means to take unto yourself. It doesn't mean that it's not given. It's already given, but you've got to take it. It's just like if I said, well, this is yours. What do you have to do? You have to come and take it. Salvation is the same way. Everybody's been given salvation. So he says, we are the offspring of God. And remember, in the context that he said that, he was talking to people that hadn't received yet. But we are the offspring of God. When Jesus came and ministered, he didn't minister to people as though they were far from God. He even said, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. It's near. It's right here. All you have to do is reach out and take it. The kingdom of God is here. And if you, you remember in John, let's look, at, let's look there right quick. I mean, not, excuse me, I told you wrong. Luke chapter 17. John chapter 17 is one of my favorite prayers. That's where Jesus prays for us. But in Luke 17, Jesus is talking to Pharisees and they're wanting to know when the kingdom of God is coming. And he says to them in verse 20 that the kingdom of God doesn't come with observation. Neither shall they say, Lo here or lo there, for behold, the kingdom of God is within you. So if it's in you, where do you find God? You can't go out here looking for him. You know, there was a time that Jesus was ministering to the woman of Samaria at the well. And she said, well, we worship God here. And you say you should worship God over here. And Jesus said, there's coming a time, and I'll tell you, that you can only worship God in spirit and in truth. So it's not a place. It's not a place that you go. It's in here. It's within you. It's in your heart. And so even a lost person, where is the kingdom of God? He's talking to a Pharisee here, somebody that hasn't received salvation yet. And he says, the kingdom of God's within you. Not talking to, not talking to his 12 disciples. He's talking to Pharisees, the very ones that tried to have him killed several different times and even finally did. He's saying, the kingdom of God is inside of you. But you have to receive it. You have to take it unto yourself. You have to make it yours, in other words. You have to appropriate what God has put inside of you. Let the Holy Spirit move on that thing. If you look over in John chapter 1, and let me, I'm going to back up and sort of make some comments that I made last week. Well, let's start. Let's look at verse 4. It says, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in darkness, darkness comprehends it not. Now, he's not talking about a physical man, Jesus, walking around with two arms and two legs. He's not gotten to that yet. Now, in verse 6, he says that John came, John the Baptist came and sort of began to bear witness of the light. He did as many of the prophets of old had done, which John was. He was a prophet who ministered and tried to get people to understand about the light, about the Word. And he even said, I'm not the light. But he bared witness of the light. Now, verse 9 says, that light was the true light that lights every man. Every man. Every man that comes into the world. Every man, woman, child. Every person that is born in the world. That light is the light that lights him. In other words, light is life. Verse 4 says, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Verse 9, that light, that life is, the, is what gives light, gives life to every man that comes into the world. Not this physical man with a beard, but this Spirit of God, this anointing of God. 
He came into His own, but His own didn't take Him into themselves. They didn't receive Him. They didn't understand that He was right there with them. And that's what, if you remember, the prophets would always come and say, look, turn to God. Repent. And the word repent means change of direction. It also means a change of mind. Go think of God way out here somewhere. Realize He's right here. And so He says, He came unto His own, but they didn't take Him unto themselves. As many as took Him unto themselves or appropriated His life, that light, to them gave He the power, the authority, the right to become the sons of God, even them that believe on His name. And that name is not just, I'm not doing away with the name of Jesus, but you have to understand, this was before the name of Jesus meant anything special, that He's saying this. This is before, He's not even got to the fact that the Word was made flesh. That's the next verse, two verses away, verse 14. So He's saying, to them that believe on that nature, to them that take unto themselves that nature, to them that receive Him, it says in the first part of that verse, to as many as received Him, David talks about restoring to me the joy of my salvation. Well, if he had to believe on the name of Jesus to be saved, then he was, you know, he couldn't have been saved. So how can he talk about the joy of salvation? You have to understand the Old Testament in the light of the New Testament. Was David saved? Why, sure he was. Why? Because he took unto himself that nature. Did David believe? Yes, he did. He believed on that nature. He believed in, in what God said. So those that will believe, those that receive him, take unto himself that, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of man, verse 13, or of the flesh, will of the flesh, but of the will of, nor of the will of man, but of God. Now he says in verse 14, the word was made flesh. All of this that had been prophesied and had taken place in eternity stepped into time. He was the Word made flesh. He was all that had ever been spoken about Him or ever that would be spoken about Him. He was there in the flesh. But let me tell you, the Word becomes flesh when you receive Him, when you take Him unto yourself, when you take that nature and you say, God, have your way in my life. When you surrender to Him, the Word becomes flesh in you. And that's the reason that John, over in 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, he is so concerned about us understanding that there, if there's a spirit that doesn't recognize that Jesus is come in the flesh, not to receive Him. And so if any, any minister came, John was so concerned that they would come and they wouldn't receive the fact that He has come in the flesh. Not has come, is come. Why was he so concerned about that? Because there were people, Judaizers and others, that would recognize that Jesus came. But would they recognize Christ in you? No. They missed it. They wouldn't receive it. They didn't want other people to rise up and be like Jesus. They Sure, Jesus came. Yeah, hallelujah. But let's leave that alone. Let's leave Him back there. We don't need any more like Him. We don't need any more Christ. We don't need any more people that will be like Jesus. We don't need that. Let's leave Him back there in the past. Let's leave Him back there even hanging on a cross, as some of them would rather. Not even... Not even realizing the resurrection from the dead. But even if they would receive that, let's leave him there. Let's leave him off in heaven somewhere. Let's leave him there somewhere in the past. But let's not accept him here now in the present. Christ in you. Let's not allow him to be made flesh in your life because there were so many false teachings and it's even now that people will not receive Christ in you. They don't want to understand. They don't want to receive that the Word is made flesh in you, in your life, and in my life. Whenever we allow and take into ourselves 
the Word of God, make it real in our lives. Christ in us becomes alive. That seed that is still dead in there, Spirit of God moves on it, life begins to come. What is that life? It is Christ. It is the Spirit of God living on the inside of you, wanting to manifest the glory of God, the nature of God in your own life. That is, as Paul said, our hope of glory. It's not of shooting off in space, and even if that happens, that's not the fullness of what God wants is for His people to be like Him. That was the plan from the beginning. From the beginning of time, that was His plan. To have a people like Him, fulfilling His life. And that's why, and we'll close with this scripture. One of my favorites. I've got a bunch of favorites. But this is one of them. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. 2 Corinthians 3, verse 18. It says, We all, with open face, beholding as in a glass or a mirror, the glory of the Lord, are changed into that same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of God. We're changed more into His likeness, more into His nature, more of the manifested perfection of His character is being seen as we behold His glory, as we look to Him, as we press towards Him, as Paul said, pressing on, reaching for the prize, not falling short of it, but pressing on until we get there, until people can look at us and say, I see Christ in you. Until the world can know He's living in me. He's living in you. We have to allow that to happen. We have to press on and we have to keep on understanding that we are being changed. Even if we don't see the change, we have to know we are. We have to believe we are. We have to have the faith that knows that we are being changed. You can take a plant and watch it every single day and you can't see a lot of change from the seed. I mean, you can, if you put it in a, in a, glass, in a glass pot, and put that seed there, you're, and you look at it every hour or every day. From day to day, you're not going to see a whole lot of change. But a month from now, two months from now, you may, depending on the type of plant it is, you may see a, a little stalk begin to come up. You see the little stalk. And then you begin to see an ear. And after that, the full corn in the ear. So it's a process. His changing us is a process. And it's a glorious thing. But... It is a process, and so don't lose heart. I know in my own life, I've, there's times I've got, and I'm so far from where you want me. And he says, keep pressing on because you're looking more like me every day. Thanks for listening today, and we hope you were stirred to put love into action. Feel free to send your questions or comments to EmergeNashville at gmail.com and please consider donating on our website, EmergeNashville.org or write to Emerge P.O. Box 3242, Lebanon, Tennessee 37088.